Trigger warning. This podcast does talk about sexual assault, murder, and other gruesome things. If any of these trigger you, I suggest clicking off now. Welcome back to Unsolved. I'm Serenity, and this week's episode, we dig even deeper into the John Bonet case. If you haven't listened to part one, I do suggest going back and listening to that before listening to this one. Let's get started. To recap everything that I talked about in last week's podcast, we talked about John. We finished up the Anoisi case, then started the case of John Bonet Ramsey. She was a six-year-old beauty queen pageant star, just like super big around her Georgia area. We talked about her murder, the things following her murder, and the fact that her brother just got off the suspect list and her parents are still on it. So stay tuned. This week's episode gets a little bumpy. I want to go back to the ransom note. The ransom note was made for $118,000, which was just around the same amount of John's bonus that year for his Christmas bonus. So you mean to tell me that like, that's just a coincidence? I don't think so. Maybe one of the family members killed, got, killed poor John Benet Ramsey, and they just wrote the first number that came to their head, $118,000. The Also, another thing with the ransom note is that it was two and a half pages long, almost three pages. Ransom notes aren't typically that long. Like, a paragraph at most, like, I want this much money, I have your daughter, I will call you, and you have 24 hours to give me this money, or your daughter comes back not alive, or you will never see your daughter again. A lot of investigators believe that she was, the way they said it was so, so wrong to me, but she was perfect prey for a pedophile, I mean, if you, I can't put a picture on this because obviously it is a podcast, not a video, but she was a beauty pageant queen. Like, she was absolutely so, so, so beautiful. And she was six years old. So, I mean, I could be totally wrong where I think the investigation should have gone because obviously I'm not a professional investigator. Um, but. I think it always, always, always comes back to the family. Um, Burke was nine years old. He could have gotten mad at his sister, like siblings do. I mean, not every sibling, not one of the siblings always ends up dead after a fight. But anyway, he could have gotten mad at his sister, hit her across the head with a flashlight, strangled her, and she could have died. The only thing with that, though, is that um, this is gruesome. If sexual assault does trigger you, please click off now. The only thing with that, though, is that her private area was ripped about eight and a half inches, which I'm sorry, Burke was only nine years old. I think that's where the father could have come into play. But if you look at a different factor... 
there was another man's sperm on her underwear. But another thing with that, though, is how do you not hear that in your own home? Like, yes, she was found in the basement. And they were upstairs sleeping. And by no means was their house small. Like, their house was huge. But you you think you'd hear something because there was no break-in except there, they not too long ago found a broken window or not too long after the case they found a broken window which would be a sign of a break-in but you wouldn't hear the intruder that murdered your daughter walk up the stairs or rummage around the kitchen for the notepad that was found in the house and a pen with the clothing articles of the mom that just doesn't make any sense to me Anyway, back on track. On 1990, on, uh, in, on September 13, 1999, Detective Arn said she knows who killed young John Binet, but wouldn't say who did it. And then in a different interview, she said that she was terrified of him. Like, she, they both looked up from this poor girl's body, and John asked if his daughter was dead and she said yes and she had a shoulder holster on with like bullets in it and she counted them and there was 18 in the holster and the reason why she did that is because she was scared the look in his eye was absolutely terrifying to her which I don't know I think the amount of anger as a parent you would have to find out your child just died and I mean, obviously, this is a crime scene, um, but it was so, so very tainted. Like, everything was messed up. Um, when John found John Binet, they threw, he threw a blanket over her, which who knows whose DNA was on that. So that's the, that's tainted. Can't really look for DNA off that. I mean, well, you can, but. I don't know. That's just kind of weird to me that she won't say who did it. Um, John Binet's half-sister also testified on September 30th. I couldn't find that video, although I wanted to see more about it. And then a month later, Hunter says the evidence was not enough to arrest the parents. I don't know how true that is. I think there's a lot of evidence. I just think that a lot of it is has to do with the fact that they are the parents. I mean, the window that was shown that was broken into is not enough for a grown man to fit through. That's the only thing that doesn't make sense about that to me, I guess. Um, on March 17, 2000, Ramsey's published a book called The Death of Innocence about her death and the publicity of it. And not long after in May, John and Patsy held a press conference. Okay. Uh, this, I, this blew my mind. I don't know. Um, John Benet's oh, quote from biography.com. John Benet's parents hold a news conference to announce that look that lie detector tests confirm that they are innocent in the death of their daughter. However, 
The test was not run by the FBI and not acceptable in the investigation. Quote ended. Why would someone hold a huge press conference to say that they had a lie detector test that wasn't even ran by the FBI? I think that it was honestly idiotic in a way. You know that investigators aren't going to allow it or allow it into the case. I just don't understand why you would hold a press conference. That's just going to get you the more publicity that you don't want. They said it so many times that they don't they didn't want the publicity of it all. Uh and then 6 years later on June 24th, pa- Patricia passes away from stage 4 ova- ovarian cancer which was diagnosed in 1993. On June 29th, 1993, Patsy is buried by her daughter in Georgia. Everything is pretty much quiet in the family. They're still investigating. There's still investigations going on to this day in 2020. But um, Burke stands up and talks 20 years later. Uh, he sits down for a face-to-face interview with Dr. Phil. It, quote from biography.com, it was probably a pedophile in the pageant audience, he said, twice, quote ended. And I watched the interview, and it, he was almost smiling, but not in the, like, happy way. It was the, I'm super nervous, I don't want to be here type of thing. Like, he was paid to do this interview. Who do you think could have done this murder? Um, Do you think it could have been Burke? He was young. He could have gotten mad at his sister, killed her, and the parents obviously didn't want their son to go to juvie forever for a murder, so they covered it up. Maybe it was John, or maybe it was Patsy. I don't know. I think there was way too much information hidden about the brother. And they lied about the 911 call because they said that Burke wasn't awake. But later it was real. Their 911 call was released and he was awake. <sighs> There's so much information. I do suggest if you are interested about this case, go do more research. Find your own opinion, because I do have facts in here, but a lot of it is opinionated. Um, yeah. So, our next case is going to be about Tupac, and get ready for this, because this is going to blow your mind. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's podcast. Um, next week, we talk about the case of Tupac, and that one gets even more crazy in my opinion. So stay tuned and we'll see you guys next week.